I am not one to use PowerPoint hardly ever. It is borrowed. It is not my own. But then I started to think that so are all the scriptures that I'm going to use. Uh, the, the source of the PowerPoint that I'm using is from a website that I've used over the years. The man that has done most of it up, his name is Mark Copeland. He's down in Florida. He's a member of the church. And uh, I've often used thoughts of his. And sometimes I've actually put a whole sermon of his onto my iPad or my laptop and then took out what I didn't want and used his thoughts and went down rabbit trails. And then I look back at it and it's nothing like I was there to start with. But it's been a great source for me over the years to use his. So saying that, I did not make up the PowerPoint myself. Corey helped to tweak it a little bit. And he told me I have to turn this thing on. So I've done that now. Now we'll see how it works. <coughs> Colette and I are leaving tomorrow for almost seven weeks. And it seems weird to be thinking of being gone. And last year we did this too. I miss you guys. Um, I know different people have come up here and they said that, you know, that Carmen feels like home to them. Well, I've only been here 60 years now. Like, yeah, this, this is home to me. But it's also good to get out and see Colette's mother. And I'll be speaking next Sunday in Abbotsford. And I'll be speaking the Sunday after that in Abbotsford. And then we're moving off to the island for a little while. And we'll spend a month in Parksville. Which we've, we've seen the area a little bit before. But this will be our first time to spend a, a month together out there like that. Hopefully, and just the two of us, so hopefully she doesn't get tired of me. There's always that danger. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit. Does the fruit of the Spirit have anything to do with being a Christian? And is there anything you can do about it? The short answer for both is yes, but I'm not quite done yet. <clears throat> Galatians 5, that was just read to us, in verses 22 and 23, Paul lists nine different behaviors or attributes. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <clears throat> And these are the result of the work of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life. Sound like pretty good qualities. The Greek word for the word fruit here is spelt with a K-A-P-T-T-O-C in Greek. Now I know it's, I've made it English there, but just so you get it. Kaptok, I think is how it would be pronounced. I could be way off. And it usually means something that you eat. Blueberry, apple, strawberry, whatever fruit you want to think of. But in this setting here, think of it as the fruit of your labor or something that you've made. Even a child is the fruit of your loins, basically, if you want to think of it that way. So the word fruit doesn't mean that you have to go and harvest this stuff. 
is if you don't ever harvest apples or blueberries, you can still have the fruit of the Spirit. But think of it, and throughout this lesson here, as being the, the fruit of your labors, or the fruit, the gift that is given to you to help you along. <clears throat> Also keep in mind that it, it can mean an action, result, or a deed in this setting here. All nine of these attributes are things that we need to be involved with to make them happen also. You can get really, really good at one of them, but if you don't have the other ones, you're still going to be weak in them. So if you get really good at being self-controlled, you got your tongue well under, you have your tongue mastered, you have your body mastered, you won't do anything that you don't want to do, you'll never get there. But if you get close, but you have no love, joy, or peace, what have you got? You're still lacking. Each of these areas could be a lesson you know, by themselves. I'm sure many preachers have spent 25 minutes talking on just love and then joy and going through. I'm going to, in about 12 minutes here now, I'm going to touch all of them. So those are going to be 12, or nine very, very short sermons. So pay attention. <clears throat> love, active, goodwill. I guess I don't have to read what's on the board for you, do I? You can read it yourself. Love by God is not a passive love. It's active. God didn't just make the world and lean back in his lazy boy and cross his arms and say, oh, I love this world, and then do nothing about it. He went as far as to even give up his son or allow his son to be crucified for you. That's an act of love. John 15, 9-11 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be made in you and that your joy may be complete. Which moves us on to the next one then because it always already talked about joy. Joy is a gladness, a contentment, a delight. It is not a pasted-on smile, giddy-looking, stupid-looking face that you paste on. That's not what joy is. Joy is feeling it inside. It's that delight, that gladness. Think of holding your grandchildren, those of you that are old enough for that. Or holding a newborn baby. That's kind of where the joy idea is at. It is understanding what God has done for us. The grace that mankind has been given, but then to grasp that, that you have that. Knowing that God wants greatness for us should give us great joy, not a stupid face, giddy look. That's what I was talking about before. I lost my notes here for a minute. That's why I'm kind of catching up here. 
I accidentally bumped something and lost all my notes. So I was in the middle of a panic here because I don't have it memorized. <laughs> there, uh, there will always be problems that come along, like losing your notes in the middle of a lesson, but anyhow. There will always be problems that come up, but knowing that, uh, that God makes, uh, but knowing God makes it so much easier to handle. That's part of the joy. James 1, verses 1 and 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Do you get that first part? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials? And who wrote this? But that's what it says. Yeah, we're going to face some trials. How are you going to handle them? Consider it joy that you get to live life. And there will be some trials throughout life. <coughs> Peace. When I first started to look at this a little bit, I thought this is the one attribute or the one area here that we can't necessarily do much about, was my first thought. And I started to think it through a little more, but we really can. We can choose to be at peace with things. The, the Bible concept of peace, uh, the Greek word is uh, erene, is to not be at war or conflict. In the context of the fruit of the Spirit, peace is peace in your soul. Your inner being is at peace. If we are always dwelling on things of the future that we know deep down likely won't ever happen, or if we're stuck on things of the past that we can't change, then the peace of our soul is lacking. So think of the peace as being the peace of your soul. The contentment. The harmony of peace. Romans 8 and 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. <clears throat> peace is a result of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and minds. When we are, uh, when we have peace, we are free, we, we are free from the worry about finances, our safety, our salvation, our eternal life is giving us peace. The, the fruit of the Spirit is seen in the peace that comes even when our circumstances are far from tranquil. Jesus encourages his followers in John 16 and 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Long-suffering, kind of an odd word. Patience under trial. The Holy Spirit helps us to take on the, the challenges, the situations, and we can persevere, we can endure. The Greek word, root word here, it's talking about two different words. And it's meaning long and passion. 
So I want you to think of it as some people are what we would refer to as short-tempered. And I was probably one of them when I was younger. I want you to think of this as being long-tempered. How long does it take you to boil up now? Some of you may be quickly. Then I would suggest you need to practice at being long-tempered, long-suffering. Learn that you don't have to throw down the gloves and the hockey ice and start beating somebody else off. All it does is hurt your fists. Be long-tempered. I don't even know if that's a real word, but it's, just, it's a way that in my mind it helped to kind of explain it. That people can be short-tempered, but with the help of the Holy Spirit we can be long-tempered. Kindness. Sweetness of temper. The word kindness here means, has the meaning of moral goodness, integrity, usefulness. Are you useful? Yeah. Do you have integrity? You better have. In the King James Version, this word was translated gentleness, which links it to the, the meaning of a gentleman or a gentlewoman. Someone who, be, uh, someone who behaved properly with moral integrity and kindness. Are you a gentleman or are you a gentlewoman? That's the kindness. Faithfulness. Can we be reliable? Are you dependable? Faithfulness is evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Faithfulness is a character trait that combines dependability and trust based on our confidence in God and his eternal faithfulness. In the New Testament, faith is the belief in God and the conviction that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation. Faithfulness is basically very simple. Do you believe God? Or in God, but do you believe God? Do you believe that the Word is really the Word? Do you believe that Jesus really died? Or do you believe that there was even such a guy as Jesus? Do you have a faith? Are you faithful? Do you have faithfulness? Gentleness, kind treatment of others. Looking for ways to, to softly treat others. This includes our speech. Not always so easy to do. There are times that we say things harsher than what we really intended them to come out as. We need to work at being gentle. The tongue is probably one of the hardest things to control, if I can put it that way. You would think that it would be simple, it's fairly small. But if you can get your speech gentle, it goes a long ways. Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus is talking, uh, saying here, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. Jesus was gentle. <clears throat>
Self-control. The ability to hold oneself in. It's the ability to control yourself physically and mentally through the power of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is the opposite of the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.16, Michael already read it. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you, so that you are not to do what, uh, whatever you... Huh, I don't have it all here. It is in the opposite of doing things for the fleshly pleasures. The fruit of the Spirit sounds good. Is it useful? Should we want it? Again, the short answer to both these is yes. But I'm still not done. Now, we're going to see if this thing will work. <clears throat> Galatians 5.16 I have about seven more screens and I, don't, I won't be spending 12 minutes on every screen, so don't worry about that. But uh, we are going to be going through these screens quickly. If I, if I remember to do it, if I don't, somebody let me know. Wave that I forgot to move on, because I don't, I'm not used to this thing at all. In principle, we must walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to focus on what is right. Focus on eternity, and not the now so much. Be led by the Spirit. Galatians 5.18 But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We should want the Spirit to lead us. We should want to be led by the Spirit. How hard is that? To really want that. Live in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Romans 8.5 Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Romans 8.12-14 Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Having the Spirit is of great value. We have to make use of this great value. We can hinder or prevent the Spirit from helping us. We don't have to allow it to. We need to be looking for spiritual things, looking towards spiritual things, much more so than fleshly. We still live in the world. you got to get the balance. Live in the world, but don't live by the flesh. We have a great helper in the Spirit. In practice, 
So what do you actually do now to make this fly? First Peter, second chapter, verse one through three. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, and every of, of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Did you listen to that? Some of you didn't, so I'm going to read it again. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's powerful. <coughs> Ephesians 6.17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Are you in the word enough? How much is enough? Just be in the word. <clears throat> There's a cartoon out many years ago, a young child watching grandma sitting there reading the Bible. Young child figures that grandma's cramming for the finals. Don't wait till you have your three score and ten to start cramming for the final. We need to be in the Word. You don't have to be 70 or 80 years old to start studying the Bible. In fact, that's not the ideal way of doing it at all. Everybody that can read needs to be reading the Word. How much is enough? I don't know. I'm sure you'll figure it out. I would suggest just keep on reading. Keep on studying. <coughs> I forgot to click this thing forward. Pray for the Spirit's aid. <clears throat> Ephesians 3.16 I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Do we really want the Spirit in our inner being? Yep. Romans 15.13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we need to pray. And then you just look at the power that was mentioned there in Ephesians 3.16. Should we want to be strengthened? Should we want to be strengthened with power to our inner being? Yeah. We need to let the Spirit involved in our lives. Sing with grace. Sing with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18-19 Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Galatians 3, 16 let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs for the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. When we sing, we use a different part of our brains. And I'm quite sure that my part of my brain that does the singing part is defective, but that's minor. We do use a different part of our brain when we sing. And there are some benefits that we get from it. And I actually Googled it to see what are the benefits of singing. 
And here's some of the things that I came up with. It boosts your immune, immune system. Who would have thought? Releases stress. Benefits your heart. Increases your energy. Improves your memory. Fosters clear thinking through correct breathing. These are all physical things that we can gain, things that are good for now. But God wants us to sing praises to him. There's a huge benefit when we can worship God that way. I like object lessons. Simple little colander. Years ago, when Kim was probably about two or three years old, Kim is my older sister, she could not hold back the one gift that was under the tree for my mom. I, I don't know if I was even born yet. I probably wasn't. And Kim explained it. She had to give mom a, a hint. And she said that she's getting a bowl full of holes. Now, take your bowl full of holes or your colander, strainer, sieve, whatever you want to think of it as. Start pouring in the attributes of the Holy Spirit. What's going to happen to them? Just keep right on going. But if you take a plastic liner, plastic bag even, and lay it under there, think of that as the Holy Spirit. And then start pouring in the blessings. Oh, some may trickle out and around. But you can get the idea. We need to let it fill us up. We can allow a bunch of holes and let it just keep on going through. But you need to plug those holes. Galatians 5.23. I think I'm done. Yeah. Galatians 5.22 uh, through, uh, through 5.23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Is the fruit of the Spirit real? Is the fruit of the Spirit something you should want? The short answer is yes. 